1: Your Ben Jarofsky show is just moments away. It is Friday, September 25th. And before we get to this, we got to thank the following unions for sponsoring this podcast. Unions like the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, their sponsors, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150, are sponsors, as well as our good friends at the Chicago Federation of Labor. Let me tell you about voting by mail. It's pretty cool. Voting by mail ensures equitable access for everyone. Normally, vote-by-mail applications are filled out online or in person. This creates a burden for people with limited access to transportation or Internet services. Disproportionately, the elderly or people of color who are among those at greatest risk from COVID-19. Because of the pandemic, a law was passed in Illinois for November requiring vote-by-mail applications be sent to anyone who voted in 2018, 2019, or the 2020 primary. This falls short of what is needed, particularly since these elections saw low turnout. We need to expand access. Mail-in voting is the best way to ensure everyone's voice can be heard safely. We can help expand voting access in Chicagoland by asking officials to send every eligible voter a vote-by-mail application. So, visit votemailchicago.com. That's votemailchicago.com dot com for call scripts and a petition one more time vote v-o-t-e mail m-a-i-l chicago c-h-i-c-a-g-o dot com to make sure that every voter in cook county has safe and equitable polling that's correct All right, let's get today going here. We're running a little behind, so hop to it. Chop, chop. Our song of the day. Uh, Yeah. Our song of the day comes from the Rolling Stones. Let's let's spend the night together.
2: Whoa. Now, should I do the uh, R-rated version or the G-rated version? I'm just expecting
1: Uh, the butchered version
2: by you. (laughs) Let's spend the night together Now I need That's Charlie Watson drums More than ever Let's spend some time There's the G-rated version Together now Now I'm curious What's the (laughs) R-rated version? Well, thank you for asking. Uh, Here's a learned discourse on the Rolling Stones. The R rated version is the song itself, Let's Spend the Night Together. But when they, I think it was the Ed Sullivan show, they said, "Um, This is 1964 or 65. They go, You can't say, Let's Spend the Night Together. Can you say, Let's Spend some time together? Okay. (laughs) So they changed it for that show. I could have it wrong. Frank, look it up. It was somewhere that they changed night. Together to time together huh. Interesting little fun fact Casey Kasem This was the number one song back in 1965 uh, I'm Casey Kasem uh, Well <laughs> hey listeners
1: Let's spend some time together Because the Ben Jarowski show starts now It is Friday September 25th And live from my apartment in his attic this is The Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, it's another Romana rundown with Chicago Sun-Times editor, Romana Hussein, And now your host... Oh, the furthest thing from a rolling stone that you can find. (laughs) Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky.
2: Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Booing Trump Friday. And here's why. President Donald John Trump got booed yesterday, loud and clear. Followed by chants of vote him out, vote him out, vote him out. I know this because instantly after it happened, millions of Trump-hating Democrats sent me texts. Did you hear them booing Trump? Well, not millions, that was exaggeration. Nah, you know, just talking about Trump, I feel compelled to exaggerate and trash talk. Anyway, I know you all know this because you're all probably, most likely, except for one or two Trump lovers out there, you can't stand Trump anymore than those people who booed him did. It happened yesterday when Donald Trump showed up at the Supreme Court for a photo op to help him annihilate the legacy of Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Well, that's my take on what went down yesterday. It is, of course, not how most media people presented it, and to give the opposite uh, interpretation, D. I will now read from the front page of the Tribune. All right, I knew you. I knew you were going to go there. How Home did I know the Tribune? Home delivered as always. There's that newspaper, ladies and gentlemen. Yes.
1: Okay, a podcast host still relies on
2: newspapers.
1: <laughs> to get Every them through morning. the day.
2: Every morning at our pre-show uh, preparation meeting, meeting up, which, by the way, I just I, we should just tape those. Those are fascinating.
1: Oh yeah, well that'd be about uh, a minute and a half. Yeah, I was. I, was like,
2: I go, hey D man, I saw this article in the paper. Is that on the internet? You know, like like thinking that if it's in the paper, it's not on the Internet, because many times it's reversed. If it's on the Internet, it's not in the paper. Yeah,
1: let's put that on the show. Hear a stressed out podcast
2: producer. (laughs) And then Dennis very patiently, as he always does when speaking to an ancient baby boomer, goes, Ben, everything's on the Internet. Anyway, here's the headline in the Tribune. Trump booed as he paid respects to Justice Ginsburg. I'll read that headline one more time. Trump booed as he paid respects to Justice Ginsburg. Hmm. I'm going to pause to reflect. Now, I know the first part of the headline is true. Trump booed. Yes, indeed, he was booed.
1: Now, it's Halloween's coming up. Maybe they were, you know, in the spirit of Halloween, boo! You know, maybe that's
2: what it was. Hmm. Maybe. Seriously doubt that. (laughs) The other part of the headline is the one I have in question. In all due respect to whoever wrote that headline, let's ask the question, was Trump, as the headline says, paying his respects to Justice Ginsburg? Was he showing up to pay her tribute as she lay in repose at the Supreme Court? I mean, yes, he showed up. He was even wearing a mask. His wife was with him as well, Melania. She was wearing a mask as well, which by the way is kind of funny. Not that Melania shows up with Trump. That's not what I'm saying is funny. That in itself is kind of funny. But let's put that to a side. The fact that Donald Trump was wearing a mask. no, folks, in a really dark, biting, satirical way, this is kind of funny. Because in reality, Donald Trump almost never wears a mask in public. I can't think of the time that he was so openly wore a mask as yesterday when he showed up to, quote, unquote, pay his respects to justice Ginsburg i know he doesn't wear masks when he holds those rallies where everybody's packed together all sweaty spitting on each other in fact he makes fun of people uh, for wearing masks he definitely makes fun of joe biden for wearing a mask and he cheers on his supporters when they say that making people wear a mask is the first step toward tyranny but here he is showing up wearing a mask It's like he really does think that only liberals have the virus, even if some of his supporters have died of it. And I'm thinking of Herman Cain, who probably caught at a Trump rally in Tulsa. But that's the funny thing. It's like, well, I'm going to pay my respects to Ruth Bader Ginsburg. This is my Donald Trump invitation, D. It's terrible, I know. I'm going to pay my respects. (laughs) I'm not even going to try to do my... I don't have a Trump invitation. You'd think I would have one by now. Uh that's kind of a. Uh. Oh, boy, I need some work, pal. <laughs> Can I just do my uh, Trump invitation as Bill Clinton? There you go. Anyway, that wouldn't work. Anyway, but just think, though, I'm just trying to go into Trump's head. He goes, well, there's liberals are the ones who get this thing. And Ruth Bader Ginsburg was a liberal. And there'll be a lot of liberals there. I better wear a mask. I mean, maybe that's what was going on in his mind. Anyway, was he paying respects? I say No. I say that he showed up to continue the pretense that he cares deeply about Ruth Bader Ginsburg and that he values the work she did on the court and that he respects her legacy, even as he's rushing like Gail Sayers across an open field to replace her before the November election with a nominee, most likely Amy Coney, who will undo everything Ruth Bader Ginsburg did. But he has to look as though he's honoring her. So he can have a rebuttal in case people say he's dishonoring her, as I just did. So he wears the mask and he shows up to quote unquote pays his respects as part of his effort to obliterate everything she stood for. And by the way, if he really wanted to honor Ruth Bader Ginsburg, he'd require her requests as she stipulated to her granddaughter. According to her granddaughter, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, in the hospital before she died, requested that her vacancy not be filled until the next president is installed. If Trump wins in November, Trump gets to fill that vacancy. If Biden wins in November, Biden gets to fill that vacancy. And what was Trump's reaction to that request from Ruth Bader Ginsburg? He said it wasn't true. He said she made it up. He said it was, it's fiction. I don't know who he blamed it on. Was it Nancy Pelosi that supposedly wrote it? Chuck Schumer? I can't remember. The point is, when he had his chance to pay some respects to Ruth Bader Ginsburg, he didn't pay his respect. He paid his disrespect. Anyway, the people booed him. Because chances are, as I already pointed out, if you lined up to legitimately pay your respects to Ruth Bader Ginsburg, you don't have a lot of love for Donny Trump. In the aftermath, the PR lady at the White House said it was an appalling and disrespectful thing to do as the president dishonored Justice Ginsburg. I mean, oops, my bad. I meant honored. She said honored. Justice Ginsburg must be a Freudian slip. We got a great show today everybody Ramana Hussein will be here We'll be talking Ruth Bader Ginsburg We'll be talking local politics We'll be talking Ramana's recommendations Lots on tap uh, From uh, Ramana Hussein. We'll be talking about McDumpkey's latest article A little fun there uh, But before we do that The young man from Alton The man that Ruth Bader Ginsburg And Donald Trump agree on Is called Dennis. Dr. Doobie Oh <laughs>
1: Dr. D with the news name's Dennis doing this three and a half years how's it going everybody before we find out what's happening in Chicago and or Illinois for the fourth and final time this week two things first Ben we need a recap here man you were scheduled to have a live stream zoom meeting last night featuring 16th congressional district candidate Danny Brzezowski. now I know you're not the most tech savvy host out there How did it go? Were you able to connect? And have your thoughts on Zoom changed at all since last night?
2: Let's start with the last uh, question first. No, my thoughts on Zoom have not changed. I can't stand Zoom. Uh, And it's mainly because I'm just a clueless baby boomer. I admit it's me, not Zoom, D. There's something about Zoom that triggers this response to me. I get all panicky. I know. And I, I, well, a part of it is that my computer, as everybody knows, doesn't have a camera in it. So I can't do Zoom on my, uh, Computer And everybody tells me, Ben, don't put Zoom in your phone. Don't do Zoom on your phone. I don't know why. So I don't have Zoom on my phone. So the only thing, I got to use my wife's tablet. I don't You to have to You
1: have a brand new phone. You have Zoom on your phone. You can't use that excuse for a brand new Wait, iPhone. Time out. Don't you have to install it? No. Huh. No. I mean, it's
2: still, you know, I didn't, things I learned. Even if you don't. Out.
1: I mean, installing, you say installing, like you got to like go behind, uh, under, on the floor and plug stuff in. It takes
2: like uh, five minutes. You know, Then there's always like this baby boomer fear I have that if I put Zoom in my phone, it'll be like take up too much space. That's another thing I have. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, like in a month, my phone will be losing energy energy really fast, which is, you know, by the way, don't think I'm not on to what Apple's up to D. Uh, Don't think I'm not on to what Apple's up to. This is my
1: co-host, everybody, my (laughs) co-worker. I work with him.
2: So I gotta use my wife's tablet, this little computer thing and I don't know how to use that. And boy,
3: uh, help me!
2: So I, it's always a panic when I have to do Zoom. So I, I admit it, I need help. I need help, okay, I admit it D, at least I admit it. Anyway. Uh, Put that aside, it was a great meeting, and I want to thank Indivisible Chicago for setting it up. Uh, And I immediately cut deals with two of the uh, people there to have them come on. And uh, one of them is uh, Rose Colaccio, who probably knows more about election law than even the election law lawyers, because she's doing the deep dive and doing a lot of studying into this. And uh, so she part of it was the interview with Danny B but then we got into the specifics of what's going to happen uh, in the days leading up uh, to November 3rd, You know, vote by mail as opposed to voting in person and uh, the procedures that are in place to protect the vote, not just in Illinois, uh, not I mean not just in the Chicagoland area but downstate as well and in Wisconsin, we had some folks in Wisconsin uh, on the show so very informative. There's a lot of fear and hysteria out there uh, D. Dee, uh, in, in my Neck of the woods in lefty land and liberal land, particularly liberal land. And, um, Folks are really scared that Donald Trump is going to steal this election. And so Rose is just filled with information about what's going to go down and the procedures that are in place, as I said, to protect the vote. So I'm going to bring her on. She's coming on. I cut a deal with her. She's coming on in a week or so. And uh, she's going to take the deep dive uh, on all those issues. So I'm really glad I uh, did the Zoom meeting. Very informative. And thank you very much, uh, Indivisible Chicago, for inviting me. There you
1: go. Uh, If they invite you back, you going to do another one? Yeah, and I will uh, do it uh,
2: over uh, Google Meet. No, no. <laughs> yes, you're going
1: to get your phone, and you're going to get the
2: app and install it. Uh, okay, so, oh, by the way, speaking of my phone, I just got a text from Frank. It was the Ed Sullivan show that did the censorship of the Rolling Stones, uh. Let's Spend the Night Together. Thank you, Frank. I, you know, I thought that was it. it they, it's Let's Spend the Night Together, but for Ed Sullivan, they sang Let's Spend Some Time Together. Oh. So thank you, Frank.
1: That's nice. They also uh, made him change the doors, right? Uh, come did on, baby, light my fire. I mean, according to the, the Doors movie, uh, Ed Sullivan did. I saw the Doors movie, oh, yeah. and I don't remember
2: that part of the movie.
1: They say That's like funny. "get higher" or whatever, and they say, "Hey, can you change that?" Not say uh, we can get <laughs> higher and higher, you know. And uh, Morrison just did it anyway.
2: God, what I a rebel! I know. You see, you know, Mick Jagger's like, "Eh, mate, whatever you say, Ed." But Morrison's like, "F you, beep." <laughs> i guess there's no need for me to do the beep oh yes there is yes there is i just did the f you and there's whatever anyway um because it's like i'm beeping out ed so it should be beep you ed that's there you go i edited it myself shout out uh, anyway shout out to
1: kyle on the live stream chat he says ah just like grandpa simpson old man yells at zoom
2: (laughs) it's so true but you watch kyle next time i'm gonna be a millennial in about a month, I'm going to handle Zoom. Just, I'll have it on my phone, like Dennis says, and I'll just call it up and go, yeah, I'm on Zoom here. <laughs> Give it time. I love Zoom.
1: He's going to be a millennial. He's going to be skateboarding over to my apartment trying to do the show. Oh my God, are
2: you- <laughs> Skateboard. I didn't even skateboard when I was young. <laughs> okay? I, I was never a skateboarder, dude. So, okay, the Zoom meeting uh,
1: went well. Ben, Bendrovsky was able to connect. Uh, I actually saw a picture of it on Twitter. Ben was smiling. So, I guess things were good. He wasn't all grumpy and I uh, couldn't figure it out. So, that's good.
2: Go check <laughs> no, out that Zoom meeting. Let me just uh, thank my wife. God bless you for helping me out with that. So there yeah, we go.
1: He all would right. literally be lost without you. Yeah, all that's right. true. And before we go any further here on the program, we have to update all of you on this weekend's Benny J bonus interviews. Yes, it's true. Every Saturday, Sunday and Monday while we're away. Brand-new, one-on-one, never-before-heard Ben Jarofsky interviews for you to play. So let's go over this weekend's lineup. First up, on Saturday, this is going to be available by 5 a.m. He's back. It's professor and author of It's Time to Fight Dirty and his latest, The Kids Are All Left. It's David Ferris. We're actually going to be doing this interview after today's show. Ben, give us a little preview here. What do you plan on asking Mr. Ferris today?
2: Well, this is kind of a a victory tour for David Ferris. And uh, the first time I met David Ferris was when I uh, had the old radio show at the station. I can't remember what it's called, but anyway, it doesn't matter. WCPT 820? They fired you. Oh, yeah, you're right. Thank thank you for the memory. WC you later. Anyway, um, so he came on. He had just uh, published his book, uh, Time to Fight Dirty. I had uh, never met him before. And I read his book before I brought him on, and it, it, it was one of those moments, D, where like, this guy is speaking everything I believe in, but I didn't have the information to articulate it. And I was like, thank you, thank you, David Ferris, because he made the point, uh, which I thought was a very obvious point, but had been really never articulated that clearly, that Democrats, Uh, We're at a severe handicap when it came to battling with Republicans uh, uh, in the voting place, in Congress, at the courts, because Democrats are dedicated to this notion that what it's a fair game and that everybody's playing by the same set of rules. Democrats are dedicated to that notion articulated by Michelle Obama that when they go low, we go high. Uh, And it's not just Michelle Obama. Barack Obama, Bill Clinton. The Clintons should know better. If anybody should know better about how dirty Republicans fight, it's the Clintons. Rahm Emanuel, David Axelrod. They're all dedicated to this notion that can we just be bipartisan? They're all dedicated to this notion that, like, there's this swing voter in some suburb who will decide the election in favor of the Democrats, if the Democrats are nice and pretend that it's not an ideological battle and pretend that it's not a brawl, if they just kind of let Republicans do what they want when it comes to gerrymandering congressional districts, if they continually move to the right to appease uh, Republicans, that somehow or other Democrats, that's that's the winning ticket uh, for Democrats. And Ferris said, no, that's a losing ticket. And that's why they've been losing. And he he strongly urged Democrats to do things like add more seats to the Supreme Court so that we wouldn't have to play this bizarre nomination game with these lifelong appointments. If, if the Republicans are going to cheat and steal seats from us by not honoring the desires of Democratic presidents like Barack Obama when he nominates Merrick Garland, then okay, we'll just as soon as we can add more seats. And that way we can just tilt the balance. If they're, if they're just gonna nominate Federalist Society robots, and they're not gonna look for like, I don't even middle of the road jurists who have an open mind about issues and are not just following orders, then let's pack the court, let's add more seats. If they're not gonna play by the rules, we shouldn't play by the rules. And then, I mean, it was so clear, David Ferris, get rid of the electoral college. We should have been moving in that direction from the moment that uh, the Supreme Court stole the election from Al Gore and gave it to George Bush. So all these, make uh, Puerto Rico a state, make Washington a state with senators and electoral college votes, make divide California into like several States get more Senate, more electoral college votes. These are things like uh, David Ferris put out there. And I'm like, you know what? The Republicans would be doing this and Democrats would be going, Oh my God, they're doing it to us. And then they would be helpless to stop them. So it was his recommendation to uh, it's time to fight dirty, sort of a facetious uh, title. I brought him on. We, uh, I talked to him. And uh, he's been coming on my show ever since. He does an outstanding job of analyzing the events uh, that are just unfolding. But he always has that long-range view of what Democrats uh, should be doing so that we do not c- continue to repeat the same old mistakes. So I think he's going to take a big, bit of a victory lap on this interview, D, because uh, his recommendation, which he made three years ago, uh, to put more seats in the Supreme Court is being picked up by many mainstream Democrats. Who wouldn't even consider it back then? Uh, in you know, in light of the spectacle that Mitch McConnell and Donald Trump, uh, the debacle, I should say that they're uh, that's unfolding right now, where they're disrespecting the legacy of Ruth Bader Ginsburg by rushing to fill the vacancy before the election. So I'm looking forward to David Ferris taking a victory lap and then uh, giving us perhaps more instructions on where he thinks the Democratic Party should go as well.
1: Once again, it's David Ferris available at 5 a.m. tomorrow morning, Saturday, at both. Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites and wherever else you download your favorite podcast. Now, Sunday's interview will also be recorded after today's show, but I already know what you're going to be discussing with Sun-Times, Chicago Bulls writer, Joe Colley.
2: Absolutely, Joey C. Uh, Joe Colley. All right. Now, Dennis always says, Ben, you're not allowed to talk sports. But I make an exception for my beloved Bulls. Joe Colley comes on from time to time. He's the beat writer for the Chicago Sun-Times. So this will be a break uh, from politics. We'll be talking about my beloved Bulls. they got a new coach, Billy Donovan, Billy Ball. Dennis is so excited. He has a Billy Ball tattoo uh, on his neck, uh, which I'm looking at right now. And uh, so.
1: (laughs) Oh, Oh, man, I'm about to wear my turtleneck. (laughs)
2: Uh, You can just imagine if you got a Billy Ball tattoo. don't anyway. have a tattoo
1: of that guy and i've been looking i've been watching videos of this feller uh it doesn't look like the nicest guy uh this billy donovan he just kind of i don't know seems kind of mean Is just that by right? just by looks you know He
2: looking never scowling. smiling scowling yelling at refs. yeah uh well that's what it takes d to have a winner you gotta scowl and be mean all right uh, so we'll be t- taking a deep dive on my beloved Chicago Bulls. You'll be surprised how many people out there love these Bulls interviews with Joe Colley or when Vincent Normott comes on to talk basketball. Uh, so it's just a little break. It's just from <laughs> the depressing news. And then we're going to get right back to it, D, with another interview. And you know who that other interview is, right? It's Monday.
1: Put on your big boy pants. Terry Cosgrove returns. This is going to be available by 5 a.m. on Monday, by the way. Sunday's interview also available 5 a.m. with Joe Colley. Terry Cosgrove returns. We recorded this after Thursday's show. Ben, give a sneak peek into our Monday Benny J. bonus interview, would you please?
2: Well, it's more uh, analysis of the of the Supreme Court and the impact it'll have, particularly on reproductive rights. But Terry Cosgrove, he's he's not a really popular person uh, in many circles in the state of Illinois, to put it, put it mildly, uh, because he plays hardball politics. Uh, he was doing what David Ferris advises a long time ago. And uh, his issue is his single issue. His primary issue is reproductive rights. Uh, and he is all about making sure that the state of Illinois does not retreat on supporting uh, abortion rights. Uh, and um, to do that, he, he plays hard. He plays tough. And like I said, the right hates Terry Cosgrove. A lot of a lot of liberals and lefties don't like him either. because It's how he plays the game. And I respect him because he understands how politics works. How he understands what he has to do uh, to get his candidates elected. Uh, and uh, so we'll be talking, we'll do some analysis. He's probably He's got a lot in agreement with David Ferris in terms of what the Democrats should do with the Supreme Court. So uh, interesting uh, information be passed on by Terry Cosgrove. Uh, that interview has already been done.
1: He's a political Billy Donovan, if you will. Terry Cosgrove, that's going to be available Monday, 5 a.m. So, run it down one more time here on Saturday. Professor and author David Ferris returns Sunday. Joel Cowley, Chicago Sun-Times sports writer, returns. And it's the return of TC, Terry Cosgrove. Benny J. Bonus interviews are available at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites. And wherever else you download your favorite podcasters, live streamers, and YouTubers, go download it. All right, local news. Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker. Face coverings. Today, the governor was at Howard Brown <laughs> Health on 63rd Street. He was there at 11 a.m. to announce federal funding to support health care partners across Illinois. Uh, in statewide news, the magic number is 39. We're 39 days away from Election Day. And I'm sure you have plenty of sources for news on our United States presidential race.
2: And I tested very positively in a in another sense so negative. this morning yeah I tested positively toward negative right so now I tested uh, perfectly this morning meaning, meaning I tested negative
0: play the radio make sure the television excuse me make sure you have the record player on at night the, the, the phone make sure the kids
1: hear words <laughs> yikes but what about the races right here in illinois well the ben Jarofsky show is your local election connection if you will Ooh. For damn near a month now, we've been providing you with the news and information that you need to know in our 2020 Illinois General Elections, and right now, that coverage continues. Ben, we have a new candidate campaign ad to play.
2: I love it. I love campaign ads. More Genie Ives? No? No Genie Ives? You're going to find out soon, pal. It's time for a
1: 2020 Illinois General Election Candidate Update. This, this is a 2020 July Illinois general, general election, election, election candidate update. update. Damn right <laughs> it is. All right. Today's <laughs> candidate update comes from the heated rematch in the 13th Congressional District between incumbent Republican Rodney Davis and his Democratic challenger, Betsy Dirksen. Londrigan, Ben. We actually traveled to the 13th congressional district uh, a while
2: back for our Meet the Candidates special. You remember that, right? Oh, absolutely. We got into a car, as I recall, and you were driving, as I recall. Yeah. And didn't the car make funny noises? Funny noises. We were driving like badasses. We were peeling out, dude. Uh, oh, and I recall I had to bring all the
1: change for the tolls. That was yesterday. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> it was such a great gag. I thought I'd bring it back, D. All right, I can hint some sarcasm in there. But it looks like we have a campaign ad battle happening between these two at the moment. How it's gone so far, Londrigan puts out an ad, then Davis hits right back with an ad of his own. Oh, my. (laughs) The last ad we heard was from Rodney Davis. In this ad, Rodney Davis used what I call... The rounder tactic. Yay for our teachers! Yay for our teachers! That's when an <laughs> Illinois Republican puts out an attack ad during election season with hopes of attaching Democratic and, let's face it, kind of shady, Illinois House Speaker Mike Madigan's head on their opponent's body. By the way, for the record, this tactic hasn't really produced great results. Uh, Bruce Rauner was barbecued in the 2018 <laughs> election. now we played it earlier in the week but to make sure we are all on board here is the latest mike madigan is bad so therefore dirksen londrigan is too. add from rodney davis
3: i'm rodney davis and i approve this message
0: (laughs) illinois house speaker michael madigan is facing intense scrutiny tonight after being subpoenaed in connection with a bribery investigation mike madigan is the most corrupt politician in illinois and betsy londrigan is part of
3: madigan's machine Lundrigan raises money for Madigan in his corrupt machine, while
0: her campaign is bankrolled by Madigan and his henchmen. Now, Lundrigan is refusing to call for Madigan's resignation. Betsy Lundrigan would make Washington more corrupt.
2: Holy crap, that ad is scary. Oh, I'm so scared, dude. I'm afraid to leave my house. <laughs> you Mike too? Madigan's corrupt machine. <laughs> Mike Madigan. Yeah, I'm scared, man. I'm scared. All
1: right, but... Dirksen-Londrigan has hit back. Oh, my. Whoa, Whoa,
3: that's good. You got to fight
1: back, D. Today, Betsy Dirksen-Londrigan's campaign released its fifth television ad titled Real. Which dives into Congressman Rodney Davis's record of voting to gut health protections for central Illinois families. Illinois Trump campaign co chair Rodney Davis has voted with the Trump agenda 91% of the time, including the repeal of the Affordable Care Act, in contrast to Dirksen Londrigan, who is committed to ensuring access to quality, affordable health care and preserving the ACA and the essential health benefits that Illinois families rely on. This uh, 30-second ad will air in the Champaign-Springfield-Decatur media market as part of a district-wide buy that includes broadcast, cable, and digital platforms, and it's about to air right now on The Ben Jarofsky Show. Here is the latest ad from the Democratic 13th Congressional District challenger, Betsy Dirksen.
2: Laundrigan. A nation mourns, and your health care is at risk. A Supreme Court controlled by Donald Trump could overturn the Affordable Care Act by the end of this year. Rodney Davis won't help us. He votes with Trump and the drug and insurance industries that gave him over seven hundred seventy thousand dollars. Davis voted eleven times to gut protections for pre-existing conditions. There's a better choice, Betsy Laundrigan. Betsy will fight for every family to have quality health care they can afford.
3: I'm Betsy Dirksen Laundrigan, and I approve this message
1: Hey Betsy.
2: <laughs> okay. Uh, first of all, I just can I just say this. As much as I support the message uh, that Betsy Dirksen londrigan is uh, amplifying, that that voice and these commercials, I've just I don't know. Can we get a new voice? The Doomsday voice. I mean, they it's so overused. Anyway, it, I guess it works. They must have focus groups on a D. The doomsday voice, voice, voice. So we just heard Roddy Davis uh, with his doomsday voice, Michael Madigan. Now, I take very seriously the the issue at stake with health care because as flimsy as it is, Obamacare uh, is a safety net for many people, and the Republicans are dedicated to uh, getting rid of it. And right now there's a case that's working its way to the Supreme Court intended to get rid of it. And that case is supported, that effort to get rid of Obamacare is supported by Donald Trump's Justice Department. Uh, And if Donald Trump gets to pick a Supreme Court nominee to fill the vacancy of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, then he'll have the votes necessary uh, to annihilate Obamacare. And uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg was one of the votes that protected Obamacare. The swing vote uh, in that uh, uh, in that case was Justice Roberts. So now his, he won't be the swing vote because they'll have five solidly eradicate Obamacare voters on the Supreme Court, that's a fact. And that's something that we're gonna have to deal with, the consequences that we're gonna have to deal with. That's very real, it's a very real threat. So I, I applaud Betsy Dirksen-Londrigan for raising the issue. I think it's an effective issue. Um, and uh, is it more effective than scaring voters downstate with Michael Madigan? I do not know. I don't know the downstate voter as well as, let's say, uh, Dennis does. And uh, we just, D, it's not just you, but, uh, well, uh, what was it uh, Danny P, uh, Danny B was on the show yesterday talking about all the Pritzker sucks signs in her neck of the woods uh, in the, the uh, 16th Congressional District, which is in the northern part of the state. So the further away you get from... Chicago and Cook County, the more effective the anti-Madigan, anti-Pritzker campaign theme is. So are people willing to sacrifice something as real and substantial as health care for this manufactured fear over Michael Madigan and J.B. Pritzker? Michael Madigan, who's what? He's your typical politician, no different than most of the Republicans. I don't know. We'll have to see. I, I would hope that people would put something substantive like concerns over health care, over something manufactured, like turning your basic mainstream damn uh, into a monster. But I don't know. I don't know the 13th congressional district. I don't know how folks are feeling down there. I do know that election. We talked about this last week, D, was very close uh, the last time around, I think the margin was about 1,000 votes, something like that. Uh, Betsy Londrigan got over 49% of the vote. So she's got a few things going in her favor. Uh, there could be a big Democratic turnout, anti-Trump turnout. Uh, and uh, the second bite at the apple, as we know, is generally the one that's more productive for the challenger. We start with Marie Newman. You learn, you you get your name out there, you get some experience, get your message out there again. So she's got a good shot, I think. And that Dirksen name, I can't. (laughs) She's got to put that Dirksen name out there because, of course, Everett Dirksen a senator a downstate senator, well, he's a uh, state of Illinois senator, but he came from downstate, uh, is still remembered by geezers like myself. So maybe people will vote for her thinking they're voting for Everett Dirksen's daughter or something. Hey, every vote counts, D. So I, uh, I say, despite the fact that I cannot take another minute of the um, uh, be scared, be very scared voice in commercials, I approve the message. I am Ben Jorowski, and I approve the message.
1: Oh, wow. I can just hear a campaign ad from you right now. Man, I'm Ben Jorowski, and I approve this message.
2: (laughs) And then I would have you be the voiceover guy. Ben's uploaded. It's not not going to come cheap, buddy. (laughs) Is reefer head, head 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 be scared? Be very scared.
1: All right, Ben. On a one to five star scale, rate the latest ad from Betsy Dirksen Laundrigan.
2: I'm gonna give her a four. Whoa! It would be a five. But I hate that voice. Uh, I'm Dennis. Be scared. Be very scared. But I'm love scared. the message. Just don't like the voice. I don't know if there's any way other way to do it. You know, I mean, I've never, here we go. I've never done a commercial, right? I don't know no. if there's any, they, they must have done focus groups. Like they watch people's response to commercials and they break out in the sweat. And I do know, we're going to be talking about this with Romana. Liberals are freaking out now. Freaking out uh, it, as the November 3rd election approaches and Donald Trump with each proclamation, like he's not going to honor the results, the whole thing's corrupt, you know, with, uh, uh, his, Roger Stone talking about martial law and William Barr, uh, you know, talking about rounding up thugs and hoodlums, uh, you know, I, 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 th- Liberals are really freaking out and they're all still haven't gotten over 2016. So maybe that deep voice works. Maybe that's what it takes. You scare people into voting against somebody, it's the same thing as what inspiring them to vote for somebody. So maybe it works, Steve. Uh-huh.
1: All right, so that was it. The latest ad from Betsy Dirksen londrigan Thank you very much, Betsy. And thank you, Doomsday Voice Guy. A nation mourns and your healthcare is at risk. That was a 2020 Illinois general election candidate update. That was a 2020 Illinois general election candidate update.
3: Day, 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 day.
1: That's a little Doomsday Voicey by the way.
2: That uh... Well, you know, come on. It's called irony. (sighs) Irony. They play baseball and they like it. That's NPR talking about sports.
1: (laughs) On to the news in the city of Chicago. No public events scheduled for our Chicago mayor, Lori Lightfoot. But I have the latest tweet from the mayor. Yeah, I went to Twitter and uh, looked it up here. So here's the latest tweet. Well, I mean, I looked this up about an hour ago, Uh, you know, judging by how Twitter goes. There's probably five more since then. (laughs) (laughs) But this is the one I checked at about uh, 1130. All right. Uh, Let's see here. Lori Lightfoot tweets, Chicago took the Trump administration to court and we won but we still have uh, but we still have to each do our part to make sure every Chicagoan is counted by October 31st. Critical federal funding is on the line for our communities. Text your friends. Get it done today. And attached is a link to fill out the 2020 census.
2: What a wonderful tweet. I forgot. There's been so many lawsuits. D, I have a confession to make. I have several confessions I'll be making in today's show. I don't remember what lawsuit she's talking about. Do you? Uh, no, (laughs) I don't know what she's talking about in that tweet. So what a great tweet, Lori. Do you think she wrote that tweet by the way? Yeah. Just, you think she, yeah. uh, Hold on. Uh, Hold on calls. I have a tweet to write. (laughs) and then she writes it figure what how long it take her about five minutes to do that
1: eh, five to uh, ten you know sometimes it takes a while i bet she's got like people standing behind her going no no put a comma there
2: <laughs> i don't think she i don't think she personally i don't think she did it whatever doesn't matter good yes right. get those census figures in there's no joke that is, that is no joke got to be counted man if you, if you want to get federal money, if you want to get a political representation, that's how the game is played, ladies and gentlemen. So, yes, Laurie Lightfoot, you're absolutely correct.
1: Now, the Chicago Sun-Times and the one and only Fran the Woe-Man Spielman followed up on a story that we talked about on Thursday. Shout out again to our dear friend and Ben's former First Tuesday sidekick, Mick Dunkey at ProPublica. It looks like he got the scoop on this one here. Uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot violated the Open Meetings Act by hosting conference calls with aldermen in the early days of the shutdown triggered by the coronavirus pandemic. This comes from the Illinois Attorney General's Office. Uh, Deputy Corporation Counsel Jeff Levine had argued the conference calls Lightfoot and top aides held with aldermen on March 26th, March 30th, April 6th, and May 8th did not violate the Open Meetings Act because aldermen were acting. As quote, community based first responders, and no quote, legislative deliberation or action took place. Levine wrote June 26 in response to a complaint filed with the Attorney General's office by ProPublica reporter Mick Dumkey. What a bulldog. Uh, Let's see here. Levine said, quote, it was essential to uh, disseminate public safety related information as widely as possible to other city officers who could assist in implementing disaster relief and mitigation.
2: Uh, I learned about this because I got a a phone call at about six in the morning from Mick McDumpkey ecstatically i made it i made it i'm in the sun times i'm in the bright one yay for our teachers okay. yay for our teachers <laughs> i'm just teasing mick did not do that okay i'm sure he was up at 6 a.m i don't know if you know this dennis mick is our early riser Seriously, oh he chops I, I wood joke no he's you're the one who chops wood and smokes the bong okay don't do either but go ahead okay uh, Mick, uh, he gets up early well, Dennis gets up early, he doesn't smoke the bong That's a bad joke, he hasn't smoked in three months or whatever But he goes for bike rides uh, People may not realize this, Dennis is an active bike rider Mick gets up early and he goes swimming Yeah, it's true, he goes Ooh, swimming swimmer. Uh, He's a swimmer So the two of you are you know very ambitious young men You get up early I, on the other hand, slept till about 10 o'clock today Anyway, um, so I have a confession to make here I'm a little embarrassed And uh, I talked to Dennis about this uh, and I go, D, should I make this confession or should I just pretend the whole thing didn't happen? And Dennis said, you know what? Let your conscience be your guide.
3: Yeah, I and said so,
2: that. Yeah. <laughs> exact words. <laughs> he goes, let your conscience be your guide. And, you know, how can I rail and rave and rage against politicians who are less than honest with you folks if I'm not 100% honest with you. Right, D? So I'm going to come clean, and I'm going to make a confession. It's an embarrassing confession, but I'm going to make this confession nonetheless. Yesterday, uh, one Dr. D, one Dr. Doobie, one guy they call Dennis, uh, dutifully sent me uh, a, a link to an article in ProPublica by my dear friend and a former writing partner, Mick Dumkey. And he said, you know what? I really want you to read this article so that you could discuss it on the show. And I said, D, I will do that. And guess what happened? I took a call. I took another call. I got sidetracked by reading another article. I had to write my opening bit and, about an hour and a half past we're on the show live and Dr. D t- says to me Ben, so that story uh, by Mick Dumpke in ProPublica, I'm going to turn it over to you. Tell us what you think about it at which point, ladies and gentlemen, I went habada, habada, habada in my brain because guess what? I had not read the story even though Dr. D had dutifully sent me the link, yep. I had not read the story.
1: It's the theme of the week. It's the theme of the week. <laughs> ben Jarofsky shoots another brick. So, <laughs> <laughs> hey, I hit a jump shot yesterday, all right? I you didn't you see weren't it. There. Here, do one right now. Let's see it. Take that jumper. Let's see it. Come on. Uh.
2: Uh, <laughs> we got to do this gag when Collie's on, by the way. I think he'll get a kick out of it. By the way, Joe Collie, hell of a jump shot, I don't know if you know that. Anyway, so I believe that journalism schools should be teaching a class on podcasting and they should put their young scholars in the position that I was in yesterday. You're asked to comment on something you haven't read. So you have two choices at that point. You could either say, uh, honestly, you know, Dennis, <laughs> uh, I have not read that story, even though you asked me to read it. So I really don't know what to say, in which case Dennis will look at you and go, are you kidding me? I, I expected you to say something. You've got to be kidding me, right?
3: Okay,
1: I sound nothing like that. It's a horrible oh, impression
2: on. of me. <laughs> That's my, not really my Dennis kid. Come on, man. Yeah, you gotta do it. Oh, even or, worse. I don't have an invitation. You don't, like, you have a, I don't know. I I don't have an invitation to you. I'll do, I'll imagine uh, if Ken Davis was the host.
3: And that's good.
2: (laughs) That's damn good. Anyway, I love you, Kenny D. Anyway, so folks, I just pulled a old trick out of the hat that I learned from Tony Preckwinkle. Uh, Tony Preckwinkle, when you ask her, (laughs) you ask Tony Preckwinkle, hey, uh, President Preckwinkle, is the sun out today? And she could say, yes, the sun is out, or she could answer whatever she wants to answer. So is the sun out today? And she could say, I think Donald Trump is a diabolical human being who deserves to be defeated at the polls. Yes, but what about the sun? And uh, I think Dr. D is super cool. And I love it when he he does his imitation of Homer Simpson. In other words, you just... Sort of filibuster, and that's what I did, D. He's kind of
1: doing it now. So, can we talk about that story about uh, that Mick I Dumpke had, wrote? I,
2: I just had to get that confession out. Anyway, I've had the opportunity subsequently <laughs> to read the story, and it's an excellent story. Mick, take a bow. It's hilarious. Mick's story, in my opinion, uh, is uh, very funny because he starts off by saying, talking about the city council. Uh, as a rubber stamp body and that uh, people don't view it as a legitimate uh, legislative body. And then points out that Mayor Lori Lightfoot was underscoring this interpretation because here's the issue. They had a series of meetings at the end of May, and this is all virtual meetings, uh, where they were discussing the city's response to the civil unrest that took place right after George Floyd's murder. And uh, there were over 40 aldermen and a body of 50 in these meetings. So those by definition should be open to the public and there should be an agenda listed and people should have the opportunity to listen to what their elected officials are discussing and participate if necessary, because now we have participation uh, portions of open meetings. But instead, Lori Lightfoot treated it like an information session. Uh, and uh, so felt no compulsion whatsoever to invite the public. Now, I realize we face a lot of problems in America today. I would not put this in the top 10 of the problems we face in America. But when I view Chicago, my hometown, the town I live in, I should say, uh, this is an important issue. It's an issue of transparency. It's an issue of, of whether we, the public, uh, get to hear what our officials are up to and whether they are adequately addressing the issues of the day. So it should have been an open meeting. And her response, or the law, response of the lawyers, uh, when Mick McDumpkey uh, requested, uh, when, he, when he asked why it wasn't an open meeting, was to say that, well, it was informational and the aldermen weren't there as legislators. They were there as uh, community-based first responders. That's ludicrous. That's BS. They're feeding you manure. They're coming up with an excuse after a fact to justify something that they should have done that they shouldn't have done in the first place. If they were honest, they would have a confession. Like I just had a confession and they say, you're right, Mick McDumpkey, we blew it. But part of the problem with elected officials today, D, is they never want to admit that they made a mistake. And so they compound the mistake. And it's funny how much they compound the mistake by this ludicrous, inane argument that legislators elected by the people are somehow are not legislators elected by the people. And by the way, here's my favorite part. This is uh, in Fran's story, and I'm quoting from it. Ever since uh, that the meeting, the ma- that was not publicized, the mayor has been careful to hold conference calls and Zoom meetings, talking only with small groups of aldermen to avoid violating the Open Meetings Act. So she wouldn't admit that she violated in the first place, but now she's continually violating in the spirit in such a way as to undercut any attempt by the McDumkeys of the world to call her out on it. So great job, McDumpkey. Uh And uh, come on, Mayor Lightfoot, have an open meeting. This thing with these behind door meetings, if you want to call an alderman, you know, just to talk strategy, that's one thing. But if you're going to have a meeting where you give out information and you solicit ideas and responses from the alderman, it should be open. The public should hear. And you know what? If you're going to have, if it's going to deteriorate into uh, shouting sessions like it happened in this uh, concealed meeting between uh, the uh, Raylo, Alderman Raymond Lopez, and Mayor Life, so be it. At least we'll be entertained while we're enlightened. Right, D? Right. So, right? Right. Uh, right. So, anyway, great job, Mick Dumkey. And uh, I just had to get that off my chest. And I feel good, D. All
1: right. Liberated. Good, good. Now, take a shot here. Come on. You've been bricking all week here. Come on. The ball's yours. Ah, oh, Jesus. <laughs> He, you know, it's
2: not fair. I hit three of them
1: yesterday. Uh, I mean, even he was impressed. I don't know what, I what like, you're talking hey. about. All right, now give me the ball. Let me see this real quick. Right. Oh, here we go.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I particularly like the "hooah" part. Of yeah. The shooting. <laughs>
3: uh, yeah.
2: Good job, Mick Dumpkey. All right, everybody. So By the that, way, can what? I just say Mick Dumpkey was on the show last week talking about football. Check that one out if you haven't already.
1: All right. There you are, guys. That's our local news. Uh, We're going to go ahead and take an early break here. And when we come back, it's another Ramana Rundown with Chicago Sun-Times editor Ramana Hussain. Ben, give these people a reason to keep on listening. What are you going to talk about with Ramana today?
2: Well, we're going to start off talking about uh, liberals freaking out over Uh Donald Trump and uh, whether she believes that Donald Trump will step, will leave from office if he loses, whether she believes Donald Trump will lose, whether people in her neck of the woods are freaking out as much as liberals are, and whether she feels the Tribune's is right uh, and that Donald Trump was honoring Ruth Bader Ginsburg by showing up there yesterday, or was it just part of a photo op, part of his plan, you know, to just set the stage to really dishonor her. So, <laughs> some of the conversation we'll be having.
1: There you are, guys. And remember, you can find us on social media at Benny J Show, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J Show, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can send us an email, Benny J Show at gmail.com, and you can call us, leave us a voicemail. We're not going to answer, but you can leave us a voicemail. Oh, hello, Ben Jarofsky's Show.
2: <laughs> uh, hi, how you doing?
1: Vilma's got enough going on, okay? Uh, but no, you can call us, 708- 658-4788. That number Again, 708 658 4788. In fact, Vilma, here's the rock. Take a shot. What you got? Damn, she's good. <laughs> ben, go ahead. Ah, boy. It's the Ben Vilma, Show. man.
3: Vilma's got that two handed set shot.
1: Oh, yeah, man. It's, it's the Ben Drofsky Show. Uh, she does the granny shot. Uh, we're live from my apartment in his attic. coverings hour number two of your ben jarofsky show for friday september 25th is brought to you in part by the international brotherhood of electrical workers local nine the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150, and the Chicago Federation of Labor. Minnie J, do me a favor. Take it
2: away. All right. We'll do. We're waiting for uh, uh, Ramana to connect. I don't know where she is, but it gives me an opportunity to talk about something that I wanted to talk about. Uh, early in the, in the first part of the show, we ran out of time. And uh, so a couple of curious articles that may get cut off But if Ramana comes on, then I'll just bring it up at the end but oh, a couple of cur- oh, that's coming you know up, what? guys Do not worry, coming that's up. coming up I'll just have to hold off about these curious articles uh, Contradictory articles, one in the Bright One, one in the Tribune Because Ramana Hussein has joined us Welcome back to the show, Ramana. It's uh, always a blast talking to you
0: Hi, how are you guys?
2: Doing pretty well I, Well, actually, Ramana, I'm going to be honest with you I'm freaking out. And uh, this was the first thing that I wanted to talk to you about. Uh, There are so many people in my just little world who are freaking out. Uh, Donald Trump has got to them. Uh, I get emails, I get texts, that's conversations, phone conversations. Uh, everything from Donald Trump won't uh, honor the uh, election. And there be a conversation like this, like, what if Donald Trump refuses to get the office? What's going to happen? They always ask me these things. Like, how do I know? And then <laughs> I'll say, well, I, I mean, I, first of all, I do believe he will honor the election. I think he's just, you know, talking trash. No, but what if he doesn't? I don't know how to answer that Ramona, because it's like, it's never happened and my lifetime. I know everybody thinks I'm really old and I've lived through everything. So people are losing their freaking minds. What about it uh, in your world? Are people also losing their minds?
0: I think, I think some people are just, uh, just they're over the shock that he's our president. And then I think a lot of people do think, I, I think a lot of, a lot of people in my circle basically think that there definitely still is a chance that he could win. Um, I've heard that too like people I, not that many people but there are people in my circles who have said that if he doesn't win they're worried that he's not going to leave or he's not going to leave without a fight and I don't know if you ever read, read that story Bartleby Scrivener I think it was called yes so, remember that guy would never leave his yes work? so that's what I, I I said do you think he's going to be like Bartleby and just kind of just sit there and like refuse to leave or just say i prefer not to i think a lot of people just think that it's just going to kind of uh if he does lose the election that it's gonna just cause chaos and it's not going to be it's going to be a fight that's what I've, i've been hearing a lot from um many people um my circles um it's not like i'm getting panicked emails or anything like that but people are just you know calmly saying you know there still is a chance that he could win and You know, they hear about people, you know, supporting Trump and they just see like and I know you said that it's never happened in your lifetime, a president not leaving um, the White House, refusing to accept that he lost. But we never had someone like Donald Trump in the White House. And there's been a lot of firsts since he's been president.
2: Yeah, you're right. He's the most offensive, openly offensive president of my lifetime. Uh, And he thoroughly enjoys a needling liberals. And uh, liberals have been in a state of panic regarding Donald Trump since uh, 2016 when uh, Donald Trump quote unquote defeated, I put it in quotes because he really lost the election, uh, Hillary Clinton. And there's been, obviously, I talk. I have so many activists come on the show, a movement that erupted almost instantly already trying to unseat him. Uh, And so I think as there would just be a natural tendency for people who really oppose Trump to be sort of losing their minds at this moment because we're getting closer and closer to the showdown that they've been waiting for four years and they're freaking out over it. But he does have a talent. I have to give him credit for this, for really knowing how to both fire up. His supporters, uh, at the same time, he freaks out his opponents. The two things are connected because the more trash he talks, the more he says that the election is rigged, you can't trust uh, absentee voting, I'm not sure I can abide by it. The more it puts liberals into a panic, and the more the liberals are in a panic, the more fired up his base becomes which then just gets the liberals into more of a panic because they go oh my god why aren't these people condemning this
0: yeah no i agree i mean i can you blame some people for getting worried i mean it's yeah i think it is kind of um you know donald trump sees like the left or people who are more left of him you know get into a panic and then he seems to be goading them and then that that excites his base and then it just becomes this uh Everybody just getting overly excited right now. And I don't know, I don't blame a lot of people for being anxious or worrying people who don't want Donald Trump in office because it is kind of unsettling. And, I, you know, I mentioned to you last week, um, I feel like the Trump signs, wherever there are Trump signs, they weren't that big four years ago. And now they're just like bigger than ever. (laughs) Um, you know, I'm just saying like a friend of mine who lives in Northbrook <laughs> just sent us a, I know we're going to talk a little bit about the sign that's in Northbrook, but there was a Trump rally for, I mean, there was a Trump rally in Northbrook and it said something like no socialists allowed or something like that. She's showing us a flyer and it's just, it's just like the, the rhetoric has I feel like has gotten more inflammatory within the last four years. Yeah, I uh, we'll like, get to that. I just feel like the supporters are just a lot more vocal, and I don't know if it's like more. I just feel like there's more of a passion than there was uh, four years ago for Donald Trump, for the from those uh, we'll the. We'll
2: get. Day. Yeah, we'll get into uh, the. Protest. Uh, Neil Steinberg of the Sun Times wrote uh, a very good column. In my humble opinion, that was actually that.
0: that was actually the time we're going to talk about is different than the protest. There was a there was a rally for Donald Trump yesterday.
2: Oh, a rally. Uh, it probably stems from the same issue yeah, that Neil addressed exactly, uh, exactly. But we'll get into all that. It was a good column by Neil Steinberg in the in my beloved Brightwood and home, delivered as always. All right. Uh, before we get to Neil Northbrook and the Trump rally uh, and their crazy social anti-socialism signs which are really trippy. Uh, I got to ask you about Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And uh, we've talked a lot about her this week. uh, And uh, we'll continually be talking about the um, filling the vacancy and the the politics of it. Her death was announced Friday night after we were on the show. And it's just like, uh, you know, Ramana, it's like the world that existed before and the world that existed after. I just yeah. recall our conversation from last Friday. We weren't talking about Ruth Bader Ginsburg. We weren't talking about the Supreme Court. Uh, we were talking about the election, et cetera, and so forth. And then just boom, it, it, her death changed absolutely everything. It's been, it, I'm speaking for myself, very consuming uh, just a mixture yeah. of mourning her her death, uh, worried about the future of the country, all these things, and just angry at what the Republicans are doing and how blatant hypocrisy. Uh, what's some of the reaction that you've gone through uh, well, in the
0: aftermath? Well, I mean, right at, I right when I found out, you know, I was actually checking out of work Um when she when we got word that she died so i was like just calling and i was on the phone with the other editor just checking out and going over the stories that haven't been edited for the day and he's like oh my god ruth bader Ginsburg passed away like we got an alert from another um uh, colleague. And then we were waiting for the AP. I just kind of waited until I knew that they got the AP story and we put it up. And I just started getting a flood of uh, attacks, which I'm sure you had too. And, you know, Twitter went uh, nuts um, on her dying. So, you know, everybody, you know, there was comments about, oh, God, can 2020 get any worse? Those kind of co- the commentary was along those lines. And then, you know, people obviously sharing stories about her. And, you know, a lot of one of the things that a lot of one of my friends pointed out is that she one of her last wishes before she died was not to be replaced by the Trump administration, I believe, or that's what her daughter said, or, you know, that was something that she was really worried about. Um, so yeah, i got i got a lot of texts that night and just uh from everybody from my family from friends and uh social media jeff definitely had um what kind of nuts on it and you know obviously yeah were you saying something sorry was i interrupting you no i just
2: said granddaughter it was just a minor
0: thing who was oh, your granddaughter, granddaughter. That, sorry um yeah yeah we want to be factual here and so you know there's then obviously the republicans you know started uh, strategizing about what they were going to do and their plan you know, Donald Trump has said that he's going to um, name his pick or who he wants to nominate for, you know, to replace Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And uh, then, you know, obviously there's a lot of conversation about what happened when um, Justice uh, Scalia died. Is that how you pronounce his name? In February, 2018 um, on, on basically during Barack Obama's last year as president. And at the time, the Republicans, um, it was a majority, uh, the Senate was majority Republican. They said, no, you can't do that. And they didn't even let, um, so he nominated uh, Merrick Garland, who actually grew up not too far from me, walking distance, about a half a block, around the block from me. Um, He's obviously older than I am, but he did grow up around the block from me. And so he, Barack Obama nominated Merrick Garland, to replace uh, Justice Scalia. And the Republicans said that he can't do that. So I think Merrick Garland was the first um, nominated Supreme Court Justice who didn't get a hearing. And so now a lot of um, Democrats and a lot of people on the left are pointing out that all of a sudden the Republicans want, with less than two months, like I said, Justice Scalia died in February 2018. Ruth Bader Ginsburg died in September. With the elections less than two months away, all of a sudden the Republicans are changing their mind and they said they want to nominate someone as soon as possible and get the hearings underway as soon as Donald Trump names who he's going to replace. And uh, there's also been a lot of chatter in Chicago. Um, there's an appellate court justice named Amy Coney Barrett, who a lot of people think is one of the front runners or at least uh, close to one of the front runners um, for Donald Trump as the replacement for Ruth Bader Ginsburg. So a lot of chatter since she passed away.
2: Yeah, and uh, uh, I was hoping, of course, uh, that he would appoint a male, uh, Ted Cruz, uh, to replace Ruth Bader Ginsburg, because if you're just going to be a hypocrite, and if you're just going to really rub it in our faces, and you're really going to let everybody know, just go all out. Don't <laughs> pretend like you're you care that it's a woman. You're you know what I mean? Just go for it, man. Be who you are. You know what I mean? Be kind of wimping out. Uh, Donald Trump. But just saying, Donnie, if you really want to rub it in our faces, uh, go all out. And by the way, it still get those Republican votes. There's no doubt in my mind. He could put a Till of the Hunt in there uh, oh, to replace yeah. And they'd still, well, you know, Tatella's got a great uh, track record,
3: uh,
0: got good well, scores. Yeah, I, I mean, I think all these, um, yeah, all these Republicans are going to, I mean, who haven't spoken out against <laughs> Donald Trump. Yeah, they're definitely going to um, try and hold the hearings as pa- fast as they can, quick as they can. So, yeah, so a lot of people are talking about pointing out the hypocrisy, but at this point, It feels like everything, you know, anything that if Barack Obama did the same thing, we'd be still talking. The Republicans would still be talking about this. But, you know, this is something that Donald Trump is doing, so therefore it's okay.
2: Yeah, by the way, oh, they would be howling. Are you kidding? Oh, my goodness, howling. And I just want to urge everybody to check out the interview I did with Meredith Shiner. Uh, She's, I I think she's really an astute observer of Washington politics. For years, she covered uh, the Capitol for the Senate. uh, And now uh, she's out of the journalism game, but she still follows it closely. And she pointed out something. She spent about 10 years covering uh, Washington, uh, Romana. And she just said, Democrats have got to stop Stop following the narrative that the Republicans put out. Stop abiding. It's, it's just what Republicans are saying, absolutely what they have to say at that moment to justify, and I got justify in air quotes, whatever political move they're making. But Democrats fall in this trap, Ramona, where they're like, well, you know, you said this then, and now you're changing your mind. You're a hypocrite. And I know I'm, I, 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 I find myself doing that. But the reality is the Republicans just like laugh at people like me and they go of course we <laughs> didn't mean it <laughs> oh they,
0: they laugh at people like me too i mean what can you do but you know people are frustrated so they are going to say stuff right we're not going to stay quiet
2: yeah no i don't want people to stay quiet i do i i don't <laughs> But yeah we, we, uh, we, but,
0: are, we are we are at this point we are kind of going a little hysterical right now but do you blame anybody
2: no I'm going hysterical right now, and I, I can't blame anybody. Uh, and I, I had fun with this one earlier, uh, this headline in the Tribune today. Trump booed as he paid respects to Justice Ginsburg. Get your thoughts on this. This, of course, yesterday, Donald Trump uh, went to the Supreme Court uh, wearing a mask, hadn't worn a mask in ages. And so suddenly, he's wearing a mask. I, I, I really, and like I said earlier, Ramon, I think he really does believe that only uh, liberals get the virus. So since he was in the vague vicinity of liberals, he was going to put on a mask. Uh, this was, in my humble opinion, a staged photo op. To carry on this notion that the Republicans somehow or other are mourning. I mean, it's so laughable. They're mourning over the death of a woman whose public role they utterly despise and can't wait to undo. And they got someone already lined up to undo her, but they're going to go through the pretense of pretending like they're really mourning her. And then, by the way, all right, since liberals, I'll put the mask on to make it look like, you know, I, I believe in the masks and social and he slaps Melania Along. I guess that's <laughs> part of the prenup agreement they signed that she has to show up for things like this. What was your response when you uh, well, saw Donald I mean, Trump show surprised. up? With
0: he, he wants to show that he's like, oh God, I still feel, you know, she's this is Ruth Bader Ginsburg, you know, at the end of the day, she's the Supreme Court Justice, very respected. So he wants to show everybody, like, I think when he got off the plane when he, he heard that she passed away, he's like, you know, he made then he makes some sort of comment about like, oh, you know, I, I feel very bad no matter what you think about her. You know, he had to add that line in there. So he wants to show that, oh, God, I have like, you know, I have morals and I'm a sympathetic person. I think that's what he's going for. Um, you know, we have talked. Donald Trump is a known germaphobe. And I know he thinks that he's not going to get COVID or only Democrats or liberals have COVID. But at the same time, I think he does, you know, he does realize that it is a pandemic. And so, I mean, he's hypocritical in that sense. You know, I think when he shows up for his base, he probably gets tested and makes sure that uh, he doesn't have coronavirus and then, you know, tries to stay away. We don't see the pictures of him standing next to his people really really close so i don't know i think i think he does know that he does know that this is a dangerous thing so but yeah i did hear that he was booed and basically said vote i think people yelled vote him out
2: yeah they chanted vote him out
0: and they said i think i heard I, i also read that people said respect your wishes i think there was some sort of commentary on that too people were chanting so yeah i i definitely think it was uh i'm sure many people found it amusing that he was booed
2: yeah oh, i did i was that was like the, <laughs> that was the high point of yesterday (laughs) Uh, No, but you're right I was listening to you It was funny I was just imagining Donald Trump When he goes to his rallies He encourages He wants to have Indoor rallies He discourages uh, Masks Makes fun of people Biden for wearing a mask So all his groupies Conglomerate You know, they just Pile in together Sweating and spitting On each other He fires them up And he leaves But you're right It's not like a A rock star Who goes into the audience He's not like Bruce Springsteen Who goes into the mosh pit You know (laughs) Yeah,
0: he's like he's he's more than six feet away from everyone. And I bet everybody around him just got tested that morning. You know, so, you know, I'm sure they take all that precaution. You know, his followers, of course, they are all sitting in the audience not wearing masks because they drank the Kool-Aid. But I'm sure he does takes very, very serious or like very uh, strenuous or detailed precaution before he does these things without the masks.
2: Uh, yeah absolutely all right let's move on to the northbrook demonstration neil steinberg's column was a pretty funny column uh get my son times out uh why did you edit it by the anyway do you edit know
0: i didn't edit it it, but i have a friend who lives in northbrook so she's the one who sent us um she actually is the one who told us about the trump rally yesterday and then she told us about the sign too and then I, i i i just you reminded me that neil steinberg does live in northbrook so he wrote about this. It's it was a coronavirus sign. There's this man in Northbrook who's who's kind of an activist. The one he's like a very vocal activist, and he put up a sign that basically is taking the tally of um, the number of coronavirus deaths in the United States. And under it, it says um, "We're number one," and then you know it's quoting Donald Trump, and obviously it's a criticism of Donald Trump. And a lot of people were there are Trump supporters in Northbrook who were very offended that Donald Trump's name was on that. And they've been complaining that it's a political stunt because Donald Trump, they're like, why is Donald Trump's name on it? And then somebody a couple days ago, or maybe this week, spray painted Donald Trump's name out or they spray painted on top of his name. So Neil Steinberg wrote about this and how he was walking his dog and uh, saw some guy like yelling at the activist who was like updating the tally about Donald Trump's name uh, being on the sign. And then uh, Neil said that he noticed, Neil, I think, kind of went, you know, kind of spoke with him a little, not that long, but then Neil no- realized that this is a neighbor that he's waved to before <laughs> and lived down the street. So that was, that was pretty interesting and telling. But yeah, it's so they had a, I told you they had a rally yesterday. That's what a friend of mine told me. And then, they, and then I guess it was in conjunction probably with this sign where some people have issues with because Donald Trump's name's on it.
2: Yeah, though it's—I had a, a little smile when I read Neil's column. The sign, I'm reading it right here. There's a picture in the bright one. Uh, it says, "We're number one." And then underneath that, it says 200,000 COVID deaths, USA. Uh, and then below that, it says Donald J. Trump, president. Uh, and so, Neil, by the way, the other part about it, he's walking down the street smoking a cigar. Yeah, did I, not... I, I didn't mention that. I was like,
0: smoking a cigar and walking his dog. I didn't know Neil smoked cigars. But... Uh,
2: I didn't know the dude smoked a cigar either, man. Poor dog. just got to walk along with the guy smoking a cigar. I don't know. That's the part I fix it. You know, I got weird fixations, from my... Uh Very good, Kyle. Very funny. Uh, so this outraged North Brookian, I don't know, is that what you call them? North Brookians? Yeah, I guess so. Uh, an outraged North Brookian of the Donald Trump persuasion. Apparently there's Trump supporters. I did not know North Brookian was such a hotbed for Donald Trump supporters.
0: That, that, I was very shocked, too. I told you last week, um, I, mean, I mean, I grew up in Lincolnwood, but not too far from there, but I kind of feel like the northern suburbs, there are definitely, I'm not saying there aren't Donald Trump supporters, but I didn't know it was that fervent or like that feverish in that area. I just don't see I it.
2: I did not know that. And I got a, a back way long time ago when Ramana Hussein was not even a year old. <laughs> I young me young Benny went to Northbrook that was dispatched there by the George McGovern campaign to get out the vote, vote for George McGovern and let me tell you something back in those days Northbrook was so republican Romana, I'd go by so many houses uh that like we're already we're the, the people had said that they're for Nixon so yeah. like every seventh house maybe there was a McGovern person i would beg them don't forget the vote don't forget the <laughs> vote uh, but in my mind the northern suburbs have changed you know i look at the the representatives they send they elect so i did not think that there would be a passionate fiery i love donald trump i wear the maga hat proudly a person in northbrook and and here's what neil wrote he goes a tuesday um why is he encounters this gentleman why is the president's name there what's trump got to do with this end of quote <laughs> and then neil writes i'm not given to direct personal confrontation uh the slow pitch of that but the slow pitch of that question just hung there right over the plate why should this guy be the only one allowed to yell i swung on my heels if you have to ask you'll never know touche neil steinberg yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. I thought, that, I thought that was a good I thought that was a good comeback or a good retort. So, yeah, I that's what I'm saying. Well, I think this is why your um, liberal friends or your progressive friends are all ups- worried, because I never knew Northbrook was some sort of hotbed place of Trump supporters. But it is. So I think they're just all everybody's riled up.
2: Everybody's riled up. And so then they get into the issue. The Tribune had more of a, a article about uh, the issue itself of whether that sign was political, too political for this common space, whether the Northbrook... Uh, the uh, the leaders of Northbrook should have demanded that that gentleman take the sign down. Uh, that whether that's unfair politicking, the Trump supporters, who by the way, it's really interesting, uh, they believe they have a free express a right of free expression to, uh, to denigrate absolutely any liberal they want, uh, and not serve wedding cakes to gay couples. Just saying, they claim that right, but they are outraged that um, this man in any way even if it's subtly satirical link uh, make fun of donald trump uh but uh the powers that be in northbrook uh said that no uh under the ruling of the law they have to let that sign remain so they're just following the law they wanted to make it seem so there was a trump rally in northbrook yeah, yeah there was a
0: trump rally yesterday i'll even show you the mm-hmm. um the flyer that a friend of mine sent me after we're we're off the phone. Yeah, there was a Trump rally. So my friend said that she was going to go just to see what the deal was, but I don't know if she went, but you know, I haven't heard of anything happening in Lincolnwood or Skokie yet or Evanston, but I, I always felt like Northbrook was close enough to those suburbs, but I know it's a little different. I mean, it's, it's, it's just kind of interesting how things have changed. In
2: Lincolnwood, your hometown, and yeah. Where Merrick Garland was a young scholar at Niles West back in the early '70s, uh, is is Lincolnwood? Are there any? Is there any bastion of support for Donald Trump in Lincolnwood?
0: Um, I'm sure that I'm sure there are Trump supporters in Lincolnwood. I don't think I don't think there's any town that doesn't have any Trump supporters. I just think that. I just feel like in like places like Lincolnwood, because I, I told you when, when we I voted in 2016, I hadn't uh, registered to vote um, in Rogers Park at the time where I live now. And so I was voting in Lincolnwood and I bumped into a family friend. And she told me she saw someone vote for Donald Trump. So she's like, I just saw two people vote for Donald Trump. So she was probably walking by and saw them, you know, I guess she was coming pretty close. So I think there are Trump supporters everywhere. I just feel like in places like Lincolnwood or even Rogers Park to say that you're a Donald Trump supporter would is it's something like people don't want to admit like they'll do it when they're standing in the ballot box or like you know you know ready to punch in but they'll never say it. So that's what that's what is like very interesting to me that you know people are North, I thought Northbrook would probably be the same thing or kind of like the same but I thought people would just vote for Trump and not have any rallies or get all riled up about a sign so that's why it's eye-opening. I just yeah. think there's Trump supporters everywhere. I just think that it's more of an embarrassing thing in, like, the northern suburbs at least. I'm sure if you go to the western suburbs and a couple of suburbs, like, 30 miles outside of Chicago, it's fine. Yeah. I'm just saying that when you're in this specific area, pretty close to the city your suburb close to the city, I think it's... Um, i don't think people want to openly say they support donald trump
2: all right uh let's briefly move on to give a shout out to your uh loving husband uh who was celebrated in today's uh, uh sometimes story uh fran spielman story i've already dealt with this at length on my show with my confession that i had to make uh that of course be mick dumpke i've talked about this already uh and uh, Mick wrote an excellent article uh, for Politico about um, open meeting acts violation by Lori Lightfoot. What did I say?
0: You said political.
2: Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> Thank you for correcting me immediately.
0: <laughs> I, I, haven't um, read, I,
2: didn't,
0: I haven't read the article yet.
2: Well, I, I, what? <laughs> you're speaking the truth. Because yesterday, Dennis asked me to discuss the article on the air, and I hadn't read it yet. <laughs> But I, I was like,
0: <laughs> I do, I do read all mixed articles, but sometimes he talks about them. Like, so I know all about them, but I do, I, I, I did, I did read Franz Spielman's article about mixed complaint uh, that was filed yeah. with the attorney general.
2: Uh, by the way, is there any living with Mick since this happened? As he is like his head, so ex- since he got mentioned by France Billman in the Sun Times, has it gone to his head?
0: Well, I didn't even know it was mentioned in the Sun Times until, and I even, even though I was editing yesterday, until you told me. Um, he just told me today after I was looking at the paper to read the article, as you would sign to me. Um, he's like, uh, I'm a star now. So <laughs> there's
2: so, no, I know, there's no living with that. I had a guy's so used to it. Uh, but anyway, all right, so let me just get you weigh in on the, the, the gist of the point. Do you think? That Lori Lightfoot uh, is violated. Yes, or do you? Yes, did she violate the Open Meetings Act uh, by uh, having a private meeting and then later saying what? They're not really legislators; they're just community he- representatives. Based. Yes, um,
0: I think if you're going to look at, I think I think a lot of people would argue that she did violate the Open Meetings Act because there was no notice and the public wasn't told. So I think the argument can be made, you know, she's having this meeting with politicians and they are discussing things that a lot of people that's on people's minds these days, the looting um, and the protests and other issues that people have with, um, you know, with what's happening, at the state of, you know, the city and all these questions people have. And I'm sure a lot of people, including protesters would have liked to comment on, things that were discussed so I don't know I I I mean I would say that based on what I've heard I think that she did
2: she wait. Did. It, she did it, it, violate. She
0: did violate. Oh yeah, okay, did yeah. violate.
2: Absolutely, I agree with you a hundred percent. Come on, Lori Lightfoot. That was that. I know you literally, Lori, did not make that argument. Some lawyer of yours made that arguments. Yeah. But that's the most. That's the lamest legal argument. And my belief is, you know, they teach lawyers. I've been told this. I never went to law school. They teach lawyers that you're you're supposed to be able to argue both sides of a case. Ramon, I know you've heard this too. Yeah. You know, you have to be ready. That's a great legal mind. You can argue uh the side that you're on right now but you can flip it and argue the other side but this lawyer came up with this cockamamie argument that uh an elected official is not an elected official while he was making that argument he had to be thinking oh my god you know God, i, I need a drink after saying this <laughs> god
3: damn yeah
0: yeah I know, and you know what i've seen this in criminal courts too when it's just like there's so much evidence against <laughs> the defendant and you know you see the lawyers kind of grasping for straws but they're doing their best and this is what they have to do they have to represent you know everybody deserves representation so sometimes sometimes it is very comical i have to say well that Sad one, situation it, but very comical
2: yeah uh before we move on to your recommendations give a shout out to a, an old friend of yours who's moving on i haven't mentioned this on the show chris fusco uh the, the big man i don't know what his exact title is at the sun i think he's editor-in-chief Which,
0: i forget sometimes too editor-in-chief or not, uh, is he, man, I forgot his title. I, I don't know. I think we just it's call
2: Michael. him Big but Boss the Man. The boss. Isn't that what we just call yeah. him? Yeah. call him
0: The Boss.
2: <laughs> the Boss. Uh, yeah, so uh, talk, talk about what Chris Fusco's doing. Give him a shout
0: yeah, out. Yeah, Chris, uh, Chris Fusco, um, who's really, uh, you know, a lot of people, you know, most of the newsroom, or everybody in the newsroom that I know of, um, really respects and like Chris. Likes Chris. We he dropped a bombshell on Wednesday and sent us an email telling us that he was leaving to go start a startup in California, and he's going to be working with about uh, ten people. So you know, not that the Sun Times is huge, but he's going to go from running the Sun Times in you know, this is a big city paper. To going to a startup in California, um, I think the pace will be a lot more slower. Hopefully for him, because you know he's probably spent a lot of you know nights and days, you know, just working. Um, so he's leaving us. Um, his last day is uh, next week, I think, uh, after October first. I think October second is net last day, and then he's leaving the next day. So less than a week, he's going to be gone. And it's it's definitely sad. Um, I'm happy for him. And I, as I mentioned to you, and you didn't know, he's married to a former Sun Times reporter, and a former uh, Tribune uh, travel editor. And she took she had basically left the Tribune recently. And both Chris and Lori are big outdoors people. So I'm sure they'll will give. Chris is always trained for like triathlons and marathons. And you know, I know one of the things with um, his new job. And just running things at the Sun-Times, he told us that he didn't have that much time to do that. So, I'm thinking in California, they'll have a lot more open space. And he's going to be riding his bicycle, training, running. <laughs> yeah. So, it, it is definitely sad. It's definitely sad. Um, some of us are going to a going-away bash for him tomorrow. For So, we'll, it's outdoors for anybody who's wondering. And so, I'll get to say goodbye to him formally.
2: Well, uh, he's uh, He came on our show a couple times. Uh, he was always good to our show, but I got to say this. I always thought Chris Fusco was a Chicago guy, but you give him a year in California be like, hell yo, Ramana, yeah, Romana. Yeah. I mean, he needs berries, he, man.
0: He is a Chicago guy. I mean, he grew up in the South suburbs, and I think Lori, his wife also, Lori Rackle, also grew up in the suburbs somewhere. So they're all they're Chicago area people, which I was kind of shocked. I know you, I know you're, I, people from Chicago usually don't want to leave, but California's nice. And I'm I don't know, man, there's like,
2: a lot I'm of, fine. he's going right in the middle of a bunch of forest fires. Chris, make yeah, sure you got that start. forest fire. And sh- I mean, I, I don't know if he reads the newspapers, he's going to be running a newspaper, but there are a yeah. lot of forest fires. Chris, best of luck to you. And I'm going to say this, uh, as an outsider looking in. my beloved bright one, the Chicago Sun times been subscribing it to it since before Ramana Hussein was born. <laughs> uh, and it was, uh, a couple times I thought it was about to die. And I always give, I give a lot of shout out to Bob Ryder, uh, the Chicago Federation of Labor, kicking in money to uh, keep it going. Uh, Edwin Eisendrath, you get a lot of love in the newsroom, but Edwin Eisendrath stepped up to keep the Chicago Tribune from being purchased by the tribunal and which who would have killed Sun it
0: sometimes sometimes
2: yeah my bad and it kept the sometimes were being purchased by the tribune uh and who would have killed it you know it i know it and chris was part of the the, uh, the team that really did a great role in keeping the sun times going with um, tremendous budget constraints and uh, just of all the crisis we've been so aside from teasing him about his love for triathlons and how he's going to go all california on us uh, in a little while i want to thank chris fusco for doing a good job uh, with all those other names that i mentioned uh who kept the sun times going and now it's up to you romana it's up to you <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: that then then i'll probably go Sometimes we'll fold if I'm taking care of it. Stop
2: but. it. Don't say that. <laughs> All right. So let's close with your recommendations. What do you got uh, for, to urge us to watch, see, well, or Well,
0: I'm, I, I, I'm sorry. I'm a little late to the game. But as you mentioned, you were watching Shit's Creek recently. I just started Shit's Creek uh, last week, and I'm already on season two, almost done with season two. And I definitely like it. And so I, I've been hearing about this show for the last two or three years. Um People were just raving about it. They said it was a show from Canada. And I just, you know, I was like, God, there's like four seasons. Now there's five seasons. And then I found out, look, another friend of mine was urging me to watch. And you were talking about it. And I know I still have to watch Pose. That is still on my list. And I will watch it. But I'm burning through uh, Shits Creek pretty quick. And I do like it so far
2: yeah i uh, i enjoyed it immensely when i watched it i, I didn't get to see the final episode because it um it's not on netflix
0: you mean the final uh, season
2: i'm sorry the final season but i will watch it as soon as it's ready uh so yes enjoy it and uh, it's a lot of fun to watch I, I i gotta tell you pose is so much better than schitt's creek it, really y'all I think this It's in so many levels. Uh, the best show I've ever seen streaming, uh, in my humble opinion. Uh, I don't know if you saw this. I'm really interested in seeing this movie. Uh, Richard Roper wrote about it today's oh, bright the Chicago,
0: one. The Chicago Seven.
2: Yeah, and gave it four stars. One of the best movies. And I'm 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 older than you, so I remember the actual trial oh. and. You I. Know. I, I
0: Actually, when I was in high school, one of our teachers showed us a play based on the Chicago 7, so I'm pretty aware of it, too.
2: Yeah, I'm definitely going to watch that. I'm probably going to have a uh, discussion. I may... uh actually drag her monitor she's never participated in one of our group talks about movies oh i know uh, that's that would be fun moments. yeah you have to watch it though you, as i uh i tell maureen o'donnell she goes well, i read the review i go that's not good enough you gotta watch <laughs> the freaking movie
0: it's <laughs> i read
2: richard roper
0: what, what what good is that well that's anyway. because you probably tried to make her watch a spike lee movie or not a spike lee movie Quit Tarantino. 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 <laughs>
2: by the way, I was, I, I had, I, I, your name came up yesterday. I have to say this. So we uh, were having a lot of fun playing commercials by Jeannie Ives. Uh, and Jeannie Oz is running for Congress in the 6th Congressional District in 2018. Uh, she ran against Bruce Rauner for governor in the Republican primary. Far right, far right candidate. I mean, really far right. But uh, because she's running in a district that's moving toward Democrats, it wouldn't for Hillary Clinton in 2016. She's trying to do whatever she can to moderate her uh, her image. Yeah. So her, for some reason, and I don't know why this is, Her commercials always make reference to her shoes. (laughs) <laughs> it's, I, I don't know why. She goes, walk a mile on my shoes. I'm trading in my heels for... Oh,
0: I thought you were uh, going to say like she was going to talk about her, how fashionable her shoes are or something.
2: Well, no, she doesn't go there. And I just thought of you when I was talking about this. I, because one of the criticisms that Romana has made about Quentin Tarantino is his obsession with feet. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, genie has got Quentin Tarantino's foot fetish.
0: Well... I'm not the only one, first of all, who says that about Quentin Tarantino, but I think a lot of people have said that it's, it's a well-known fact. You can just Google his name and foot fetish and a lot of, a lot of, uh, articles will come up, but yeah, I thought you were going to say something about me cause I have a lot of shoes and I thought maybe Mick mentioned how I have I did a lot not of shoes. know that. No, I have a lot of shoes. Um, so Mick, I a lot of my shoes are still at my mom's. So Mick is always perplexed by how many shoes I have and how many shoes I can get and, <laughs> I, I did not I, know
3: that i like <laughs>
0: shoes but i don't know foot fetish but i have a uh, no place to wear my shoes anymore so
2: yeah he's just wearing them at home so all right ramana stay safe and sound thank you so much for coming on the show and uh i'll talk to you next friday okay
0: okay see you guys later bye
2: very good that's a great ramana hussein before we head out the door, you got any updates for me, D?
1: Ah, uh, yeah, we got one or two updates here before we roll out of here for the weekend. First off, oh man, that uh, add it to the great list of impressions. Uh, your Chris Fusco in California impression—that was really good. Let's hear it again. Oh <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I really love,
2: love biking, man. Oh yeah, he said something about berries. Oh, these berries, man. Berries, man. Uh, you know, all of a sudden I got Fusco smoking a reefer. By the way, you could smoke it here in Chicago. It's legal if you wanted to. But for some reason in California, oh, man. Yeah, you go out to visit them. Oh, these... These berries, man. <laughs> these berries, man. You got to smoke this reefer and watch these berries do their berries thing, man. <laughs> we want to remind
1: everybody before we roll out and do these updates, too, uh, to download this weekend's Benny J. Bonus interviews Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. Brand new interviews for you to download at both Chicago Sun Times and Chicago Reader websites and wherever else you download your favorite podcast on Saturday. We're going to be talking with David Ferris, professor and author of The Kids Are All Left. On Sunday, Terry Cosgrove makes his return to the Ben Jarofsky Show. And on Monday,
2: I may have these flipped around. I'm not sure. Yeah, I think you do. Uh, uh, whatever doesn't matter because no one's going to hold us to it anyway.
1: But, yeah. yeah. Okay, let's flip it back around then. On Sunday, uh, we're going to be talking with... Uh, joe Colley, chicago bulls uh writer talking about that new head coach billy donovan by the way shout out to fred on the live stream chat uh fred said he met him in passing he met billy donovan in passing couldn't have been a nicer guy said fred See? ah now what he kay. said what he said one that once they got done passing i'm not sure but <laughs> yeah that fred what a weirdo i'm
2: sure billy donovan's a wonderful guy let's get
1: billy donovan on the show oh yeah that'd be great and on monday politics uh terry cosgrove returns uh the president and ceo of personal pack both chicago sun times and chicago reader websites wherever else you download podcasts available by 5 a.m this weekend okay moving on bye bye boys town the following comes from the chicago sun times and mitch dudek Banners proclaiming a portion of North Halstead Street as, quote, Boys Town will be permanently removed because the neighborhood nickname makes some in the area, the heart of Chicago's LGBT community, feel unwelcome. The North Halstead Business Alliance, the local chamber of commerce, will be removing the banners in the next few weeks and scrapping the nickname from all marketing materials. The decision was made after the group conducted a survey. Now, uh... Really interesting here. Ben noted this uh, before the show today. The survey, uh, we'll go over it and then we'll get your comments, Ben. The decision was made after the group conducted the survey that found the nickname Boys Town made 20% of respondents feel unwelcome. The same survey found 58% of respondents wanted to keep the name. So a majority wanted to keep the name, but they're still getting rid of the name. Uh, Here is Jen Gordon. She's a spokeswoman for the Business Alliance. She said, quote, to really reflect the inclusivity of the neighborhood, the decision was made to uh, to eliminate it from marketing. The nickname will be replaced with, and it's not as catchy, Chicago's Proudest Neighborhood on Marketing Materials Uh, the survey followed an online petition battle over the use of the nickname Uh, I think that's really uh, the gist of the story here but what about this uh, survey Uh, yeah thanks for taking the survey guys but who cares we're changing it anyway
2: yeah no that's the part I talked to Dennis about this morning when we were talking uh, doing our pre-show preparation which is a long and daunting (laughs) challenge every morning we go through to prepare this show Uh, I just had fun with this. Look, I got no horse in this race. We've talked, I actually think we had a conversation about this before people are offended by the name. You get rid of the name. It's an offensive name to people Uh, move on. It served its purpose. The name change the name. I'm just saying this, this is almost like Donald Trump math. You know, again, I just want to point out that mathematics is not my strong suit. Uh, I'm no damn biz. But 58 is more than 20. So I'm saying, guys, I mean, most of the people said keep the name. Only 20% said get rid of the name. 58% keep it. So. Just curious about the mathematics.
1: You know, I don't I don't believe you. I'm texting uh, Dan Biss right now uh, as we speak here.
2: Is 58 <laughs> more than 20? <laughs> okay. just sent it. Yeah, just, just run it by Danny, okay? He knows, D, because oh. he's really good at math.
1: Okay, we got the response. Yes, 58 is more than 20. Thank God.
2: Okay. Oh, okay. Th- thank Dan Biss first, would you, D? Thanks, right, Dan Ryan Biss. Right, Mayor, by the way, of Evanston. Yeah,
1: good luck in your mayoral run, Mr. Biss. Uh, yeah.
2: Now, see, I will bet you if Dan Biss in that race for mayor gets 58% of the vote and his opponent gets 20%, Dan Biss will be declared the winner. Unless, of course, Evanston's mayoral races are like the United States presidential races, in which point the guy who got the 20% will be declared the mayor. That's how we do it in the United States, D. If you lose, you win. Got that? All right, so that's why I'm saying it seems like the people in uh, Lakeview kind of have that Donald Trump math. The losing, The loser in the poll won. Anyway, then I don't have a horse in that race, so change the name, but I'm not but of that I keep saying I don't have a horse in that race. I'm not quite sure. Chicago's proudest neighborhood. I don't know, man. Whatever.
1: Yeah. And also, I, uh, they, you know that the neighborhood's kind of ruined by uh, all those Cubs
2: fans, so you know, I don't know.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah, I remember what people were upset with when it was called Wrigleyville. Call it Cubbyville. It was uh, a lot of people were upset like Wrigleyville. And uh, so, anyway, 20% to 58%. Eh, maybe they should redo the poll. All right, here we go. Uh, her. DB, do you have another update? No, go ahead. I was just going to say, say that uh, there was there another article that I was going to uh, refer to before uh, Romana uh, came on the show. Uh, and I just. Oh, yeah, uh, we teased it. Way- oh,
1: give these listeners what they're, what they're yes. waiting for.
2: So this one really de- probably deserves more time than I have for right now and it gets into the intricacies of Chicago budgets and negotiations and I know a lot of our listeners are from out of Chicago so they may not be interested in it and as soon as they say that uh, and everybody's freaking out over the uh, pandemic and the election and Donald Trump saying he won't step down uh, and Donald Trump abusing the uh, memory of Ruth Bader Ginsburg by immediately filling her vacancy with someone who will try to undo everything she did. I understand these are all pressing issues, but there's negotiations going on between the city of Chicago and the Fraternal Order of Police, the, whose president is John Catanzara, uh, who is one of the most prominent Trump supporters uh, in the city of Chicago. Uh, very proud of that fact that he uh, wears the MAGA hat with pride. And uh, Catanzara is a favorite of the Chicago Sun-Times. Uh, we always have fun about this, or at least I do. How many times this picture is in the Sun-Times? Well, D, I was paging through, and there he is again, a good-looking young man, Johnny C, okay? Johnny, Johnny- C. And they love him at the Bright One. Right? Uh, and he's outraged. Uh, he wants a 17% raise over four years, retroactive to 2017. It's a complicated story. I don't want to go into all the details, although I find the details fascinating. uh, uh is pressing his case, uh, and he says he, he gave a take-it-or-leave-it offer to the city on the, on the 17% pay hike. But the part that I find interesting, he loves Donald Trump. He wears the MAGA hat with pride. He's Open about it. He once posed with a picture. He's holding a sign. He go, "I love the president." In the Tribune. Oh, wait a minute! Picked up the wrong newspaper. Uh-oh. Sorry, D. uh Oh, there we go. Good thing I got my newspapers here. There's an article uh, by Rick Pearson about uh, Darren LaHood. And we talked about Darren LaHood the other day, D. He is. We the, met uh, him. Representative.
1: What? Meet the candidates, right? We met no, him. Right.
2: Oh, yes, yeah, some metaphors. Come Let's on, go
1: along the with the bit, please.
2: <laughs> yeah. Wait, and, okay, I'm all mixed up now. Just help me out here. Uh, it's all the reefer I smoked in the 70s. When we do Meet the Candidates, that's the one we get in the car? Yes, that's the one okay. where we get... Okay,
1: you love that bit, I can tell.
2: Okay. Got the money for the tolls. Just had to do it. Sorry. The one where just we get in the it. car. Yeah, I do love that bit. And one more time. Vilma, I mean, the sound production... The editing, just, it's brilliant work. And you do a great job. You and the whole sound production team, all 10 of you in the sound production you, All 10. Do it. Yes. <laughs> all 10 of you. Ben Jarofsky's show. Man, guys, if you could see the staff we have that puts this show out. I don't know, are we up to 50 now, D? 50 full-time employees? Sure. Putting out this show? Sure. Yeah, that's how many. Hello, <laughs> <laughs> we have fifty putting out this show.
1: Sometimes it's so crowded they have to use the porta potty. Oh my god! You know <laughs> how many people it took to make this sound?
2: Like thirty. Uh, that was thirty. Yeah, they were working on it. Too. I got that. It sounds a little. Can we bring down the volume a little bit? They were all like huddled over their computer. Yeah. It's like Mark Zuckerberg and Social Network. <laughs> anyway, in the Tribune, uh, Representative Darren LaHood of Peoria. This guy is so MAGA. Uh, I think he's got a tattoo on his nose. He loves uh, <laughs> a Donald Trump Donald Trump's Tattoo on much. his nose. <laughs> He loves maggot, ladies and gentlemen.
1: Oh, my God. Who's out there
2: that knows someone with a nose tattoo? <laughs> so here we go. Republican uh, Rick Pearson's column in uh, story in the Tribune. Uh, representative LaHood introduces plan for governments to get loans. Uh, Republican U.S. Uh, representative Darren LaHood introduced legislation on Thursday backed by the GOP-aligned Illinois Policy Institute that would create a loan program for state and local governments, but it would effectively prevent Illinois from receiving any loan forgiveness because of its massive public employee pension debt. In other words, they'll lend us money to pay our daily obligations, but one of the daily obligations they will not be able to pay are pension funds. Johnny, Cat and Santa, as, I'm appealing to you as Trump's biggest public supporter in the city of Chicago, as the one guy who gets on a cell phone, boom, like that, can call the White House, get Donnie Trump on that phone, as a guy that Donald Trump will always love and respect and admire and appreciate because you posed for a photo saying you he was your president. And you took a lot of heat for that. So was a guy that has the love and abiding admiration and appreciation of Donnie Trump, get on the horn and get something for Chicago. Allow us to use the bailout to pay the pensions. Those are police pensions. Right now, the police are begging, please, let's have a casino in Chicago. Who knows when that casino will be here? And what about the firefighters' pension? Finally, let's get something for your connection to Donald Trump. People in Chicago, why would they vote for Trump? He does nothing for us except for badmouth us. So I'm reading this article, Darren LaHood. He thinks he's slick. Like somehow or other, a pension obligation is not part of our obligations. So th- this is the mindset of Republicans in Illinois. They've lost their freaking minds. Well, we're against pensions, uh, but we need money for They try to think of things they need money for. I'm not even sure what they think, what Republicans think is a legitimate expense. So I'm just saying, all you fraternal order police supporters of Donald Trump, call them up. We need help. Give Chicagoans a legitimate reason to vote. For Donnie, help us with our pensions. That's all I'm going to say, D. That was the update I had. I was going to say it earlier, but we had a break for Romano. Nice
1: job. Nice job. Come on, and Zara, Get on the horn.
2: <laughs> oh, your guy.
3: I mean, Darren Hood
2: is worthless. Let's face it. He's got a MAGA tattoo on his nose. He loves Trump. But he's like... What, what a what a terrible request! You call that a request? Uh, help us out, but don't help us out for what we really need. Uh, <laughs> let's just let these pensioners starve. Oh, thanks for the help, Darren LaHood. Come on, LaHood. Come on, LaHood. Get on Get the, the horn. Get on the horn and call him. No, LaHood's like, don't oh, don't worry about me, uh, President Trump. I won't ask you to do anything for the state of Illinois, and I'll still bow down to you as though you're the monarch. Oh, I love you, President Trump. Come on, LaHood. Uh, I guess he's hopeless, but I have some hope for the terror order of the police. I cannot believe they'll just roll over like Darren LaHood and support Donald Trump even though he does nothing, absolutely nothing in return. What That's just LaHood,
1: LaHood like. you piece of. Oh by the way, Mr. Lahood, <laughs> La uh, if you find Bendrovski's helmet, please uh return that to him. He left his helmet uh yesterday. In Peoria. Yeah, yeah. That, that trip to Peoria. Hold on, D. It's embarrassing. Wait, what? Oh, okay. This thing against
3: Holes, okay. Yeah.
2: I take it. That's holes.
1: Hey, can you leave the production to Vilma? Please. yeah, okay, I will. Sorry, Phil is getting upset over here. All right. Uh, and hey, you can get on the horn and call the Ben Jarosky show. Did you know that? Well, you can. 708-658-4788. That number again. 708-658-4788. No, we're not going to answer. But. You can leave us a voicemail and there's a good chance we're going to play that on the program. Call us up. You can send us an email as well. Benny J show at gmail.com and find us on social media at Benny J show B E N N Y the letter J show. Get on the horn, hit us up.
2: Uh, By the way, I just got a text from uh, Romana telling me yes, Show me a picture of the flyer. MAGA, it says. It says, September 26th, Village Green in Northbrook, Trump rally. MAGA. (laughs) These are the Trumpsters. We're MAGA, we're proud. So, yes, it was a Trump rally in Northbrook. Ah, the good Northbrookians. Northbrookians showing their inner MAGA. There you go, D. Anyway, that's the end of today's show. (laughs) Uh, and I want to thank Ramon Hussein for being an outstanding guest, as she always is. And, of course, I want to thank the man, the myth, the legend, the pride of Joe in Illinois, without whom the show would be possible. And as Darren LaHood, Donald Trump, and Ramon Hussein all agree, they call him Dr. D. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of a handicap. Get on the horn! <laughs> Have a great weekend, everybody.
1: Face coverings. Face coverings. Face coverings. Face coverings.